in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Tonight, our Bible study from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 12, starting from verse 27. The Lord said, Now my soul is troubled. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. These words are natural feelings and emotions. And as the hour of cross is approaching, our Lord actually in this part, because he is full human and full divine, so he is troubled. So there is a real fear from the darkness of death which is at hand. Why I say darkness of death? Death entered into the world through the envy of the devil. Also the Lord would carry the sins of the whole world and will stand as a sinner before the Father. As St. Paul said, he became sin and he became curse. So the conflict exist maybe for a moment but in all its fearfulness is real some people wondered why saint john did not did not mention in his gospel anything about the agony of the garden of gethsemane but the agony of gethsemane we can see it here And these words, my soul is troubled, are the same words that mentioned in Matthew 26 and verse 39. Also, some people wondered that in the life of the Son of Man, a struggle such as this could have even happened for a moment, because he is God. But because he had truly become incarnated and he resembled us in everything except for sin alone. So it was natural because he is the incarnated son of God, full human, perfect human and perfect divine. And these two natures united together. So we are speaking about the nature of the incarnated Son of God. So it is natural for his soul to get uh, troubled in the face of all the suffering that is approaching. Also, the Lord foresaw the cloud of sins of all humanity. It appeared before him because he will carry all our sins upon his shoulder. The Lamb of God who carries the sins of the world. 
and he offered himself as a burned sacrifice and redemption for our sins. And while the Lord comforted his disciples, as we read in John chapter 14, and this is the gospel we read in the third hour of the Agbeya, let not your hearts be troubled. But now the Lord is saying, my soul is troubled. So we can see how his troubled heart releases our hearts from being troubled. His pain constitutes the mystery of our eternal peace. But he accepted this suffering by his own will and pleasure. The Lord carried our sins by his own will. That's why he said, Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came willingly, by my own will. And this is pleasure for me to save the world. For this purpose, I came to this hour. So he wanted to ask to avoid it, because how the Holy One becomes a sin and curse before the Father. Yet he knew it needed to be done, because he loved the world so much. So we can paraphrase this word, Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour, as if he is saying, why should I say, Father, save me from this hour, when for this cause, for this hour, I am come to the world? St. John Chrysostom said, Lest the disciples, upon hearing our Savior, exhorting them willingly and courageously to suffer death, the Lord told them in previous verses, he actually loved his life, he will lose it. But he who lose his life for my sake will find it. So the Lord is encouraging the disciples to willingly accept suffer, uh, uh, suffering and death. So, should they think within themselves that he could well exhort them to these things, being himself beyond the reach of human misery. So, as if the Lord is beyond the misery of suffering, but he tells them, you need to suffer and accept death. So that's why the Lord, he is assuring them in this place that he himself is in agony. He himself is in pain, yet he does not refuse to die for them and us. Uh, and when he said, Father, uh, save me from this hour doesn't mean that the sin, the, the will of the Son is different from the will of the Father. But the will of the Son is the same like the will of the Father. And 
when the sun is glorified, then actually he is glorifying the father. And when the father is glorified, the son also will be glorified. So the glory of the son is in glorifying the name of the father. That's why in verse 28 he said, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name, the name of the Father. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it in the past and will glorify it again in the future. So, because the Son's glory is in the glory of the Father, so he said, Father, glorify your name. The name of the Father is abundantly glorified by Christ's death and resurrection. Because the economy of God the Father to save all of us will be fulfilled. And here actually the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us a lesson of submission to the divine will. So as if Jesus is saying, do with me what you will. Offer me to be a sacrifice for the world. So that glory will return to your name. And he taught us actually to say the same prayer in the Lord's Prayer. He said, hallowed be your name, hallowed be thy name. So when, as a son, when he submit the Father, the name of the Father is glorified. In the same way, when we submit to the Father, in the same way, the name of the Father will be hallowed and glorified. In response to the prayer of the Son, Father, glorify your name, a voice came from heaven, like the voice that came in baptism and transfiguration from the Father. This voice said, I have both glorified it in the past through the incarnation, the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Father, and the miracles of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ through his teaching and his works. His life revealed the mercy and love and majesty of the Father. So many hearts glorify the name of the Father. And I will glorify it again in the future by supporting him under uh, the suffering of the cross and carrying him through his suffering and death by raising him from the dead and seating him on his right hand. So the death and resurrection are to reveal the character of God and therefore to glorify the Father's name to the world. Verse 29, Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. So it's clear that everybody heard the voice, but it was misinterpreted 
or interpreted differently by the multitude. Some scholar noted that the voice used a language known to the Jews and not to the Greeks. That's why the Jews said an angel had spoken to him. Whereas the Greek thought it had thundered. And it's interesting in Revelation chapter 6 verse 1, the voice of one of the four living creatures was like a thunder. So, uh, the Jews said an angel spoke to him. The Greeks said it had thundered. Also, in the Jewish tradition, they believe that God did not speak to men directly, but through the angels. As we read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. So that's why he said an angel uh, talk to him. Verse 30. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Here, the Lord made it clear it is a voice, not a thunder. To answer those who said it is thunder uh, and explained that this voice was not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of the people. Because he already knew that God had been glorified by events on earth and would be again glorified through his death and resurrection. But the multitude needed to know that God would be glorified, even through his death and suffering. And I want you to note that the opinion of the people, even those who said it was thunder, or those who said an angel, shows that everybody knew something had happened. Everybody heard this voice, even if they misunderstood it. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world would be cast out. So our Savior explains in verse 31 that what the voice from heaven uttered. That the Father had already glorified his name and would yet further glorify it. How? Through his death and resurrection, he would judge the world and would cast out the ruler of the world, Satan. So this voice, the voice of the Father, had come to proclaim the judgment of this evil world the defeat of the devil, the deliverance and vindication of mankind from the power of the devil. Devil who had a long time held mankind in unjust position. The devil had got a dominion over mankind since the fall of Adam. But through the cross, 
all those things which human being plotted against the Lord Jesus Christ and what Satan planned in attempt to get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ, all these things ended in defeat of the evil and destruction of the power of Satan. So the ruler of the wicked world cannot stand before the ruler of life. And the word now was repeated twice. Now says our Savior, the time is come when this shall be altered. Satan will be bound up. Satan, the ruler of this world, who is not by any right the prince of the world, although he posed himself to be so, as in the temptation on the mountain, and act like a prince of the world, and powerfully working in the children of the disobedience, as St. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. And also as the God of the world, God with small g, God of this world, he blinded the eyes of men, as St. Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And also considered the world as his house, and keeping it as a strong man. This parable was made by the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 12, 29. When the Lord said, now is the judgment of this world, it is clear that the Lord was not referring to the final judgment. But he was referring to the judgment that would begin with his redeeming act. So the judgment is starting by his redeeming act because the people who refused his salvation will be judged. Uh, in the first part of chapter 12, we read how the Greek came to Philip, and then Philip said to Andrew, they came with this, with this request, we want to see Jesus. So the Lord actually was replying to this request. So some scholars said, by this word, the Lord Jesus Christ informed the Gentiles, the Greek, that wanted to see him, that very soon he would punish the unbelieving Jews, cast off their synagogue for their malice and uncontrollable hatred against him. The temple was destroyed and the ministry of the Levites ended so, so, so the world was judged, the evil world was judged. Also, the prince of this world, Satan, is judged, which means the end of the worship of idols. And all this worship will be destroyed and all called to the true faith. As if he is saying to the Greeks, now, all the worship of the idols will be utterly destroyed and you will come to faith, then that is seeing me, that is knowing me, you want to see me. The real seeing of me is not just to see my face, 
but to believe in me. Verse 32. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Draw all peoples. All is very important. And peoples, not people. كل الشعوب. Gentiles and Jews. If I am lifted up, definitely the primary reference to the cross, but also it refers to his resurrection and ascension, because he said lifted up from the earth. So from the earth refers to ascension. And the Lord used the expression all peoples to stress the efficiency of the cross in attracting all, all the people from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue to join into one body, the body of Christ. He will attract all to him, to this body, the body of Christ. The drawing unto himself is the assertion of his reign over the world. He established his kingdom on the cross. The Lord reigned on a wood, Rabbu Malik ala khashba, from which the prince of evil shall be cast out. Verse 33. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. So they will lift him up on the wood. So not, not beheading him, but by lifting him, uh, him up on the cross. Verse 34. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So it's clear that the crowd understood what Jesus was referring to was his death. When he said, uh, when I am lifted up. And also, not any death, but these words implied violent death shortly will come upon him. But they challenged the Lord Jesus Christ because according to the prophecies, the Messiah, the Christ, remains forever. Many Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah will actually reign forever. The Messiah who will be anointed as prophet, king, and priest will reign forever. And they used, they understood that the Messiah is the son of man. Because they told him, how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Which means the Messiah uh, is human, but he, he is from God. That's their understanding. In the Old Testament, some prophecies spoke about the Messiah using the word son of man as 
in Daniel 17, uh, 7, 13 and 14, Psalm 100 verse 4, Ezekiel 37, 25, Psalm 89, 36, Isaiah 9, 6. All these are references. And in these references, the Son of Man is also a divine and eternal king. So we can see both the humanity and the divinity. Son of Man is divine and eternal king. So now they are confused. And they told him, how you say that you will die? We know Christ will remain forever. And how you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? This dialogue happened after his triumphal entry to Jerusalem, after Hosanna Sunday. And these people joined in the acclamation when said, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna son of David, king of Israel. So they honored him as their king. And they expected him to set them free from the Roman bondage and to rule over them in an earthly paradise to which there should be no end. And they thought that the reign of Christ would abide forever on earth. So the people apparently drew false notions from the scripture because they overlooked the prophecies that spoke of Christ's suffering and death. They would say, we know who is the Son of Man who is abide forever. But this Son of Man that you are speaking about, who is to die, we do not know him. Who is the Son of Man that you are talking about, that he will die? There are several passages that clearly, in the Old Testament, clearly explain that Christ must die and die for the sin of the world. Like Isaiah 53, Daniel 9.24, Daniel 9.27. But they probably confused the one with the other. That's why they drew a wrong conclusion, that the Messiah cannot die. Because the scripture said, his throne, his kingdom, shall have no end. So the prophets, as well as the evangelists and the apostles, spoke some time of, uh, I don't say of his divinity and of his humanity, uh, because we are speaking not about two nature, but speaking about one nature the incarnated nature of the Son of God. Uh, and Saint Cyril, in his book, Unity of Christ, he spoke about what we call exchange of properties. So because these two natures are united together in one nature, so there is exchange of properties. So we can speak about Christ as divine and can speak about, uh, about him as human. But this doesn't mean there are 
two natures separate, but these two natures united together, but we can speak about him, for example, we can say Christ lives forever, and we can say Christ dies. And both terminology are correct, because he is the incarnated son of God. So, sometimes speak as divine, and sometimes speak about uh, as human. Uh, as divine, they show his glory, excellence, omnipotence, omniscience, eternity. As human, his humiliation, affliction, suffering, and death. So they asked him this question. How the Lord answered them? Verse 35. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Five days, four days, and I will die on the cross. Walk while you have light. Believe in me before it is too late. Lest darkness overtake you, the darkness of unbelief if you rejected me. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. He will stumble. So if you don't believe me, you don't know where you are going. You will not be saved. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So the question, how he answered their question, they asked him, who is the son of man? And that's his answer. So the Lord Jesus Christ did not answer their question directly. But he told them, my presence among you is the light. And this light is sufficient enough for you to see and to understand the mystery of the Son of Man and believe in me. You are asking, who is the Son of Man? If you walk in the light, you would know that it is me, the Son of Man is me. It is as if he wanted to tell them, walk as men who are conscious that the light is among them. Use this opportunity. Don't ask a question to raise objections. Rather, ask a question in order that you may know the truth. The man who is using the light would by no means walk in darkness, but would have the light of life. Here our Lord warned them that the light would not long continue with them. His death is very close and exhorted them to walk in the light before the darkness of unbelief overtook them. Those who would walk in the light must believe in the light and follow Christ's direction. But those who have no faith, those who chose the darkness, cannot behold, cannot see what is set forth in Jesus, how he is lifted up on the cross, and they will continue to be strangers to the influence of the cross as 
made by the Holy Spirit to the believers. Those who dark, walk in darkness, they will find thousand objections to excuse their unbelief. Even his own disciples did not understand till after his death, resurrection, and coming of the Holy Spirit, what is the meaning of these passages. And now we can see Satan, the power of darkness, is preparing for the final struggle. That's why he wants to keep people in darkness and don't go to the light of Christ. Because the time of judgment has come. Now is the time for the people to follow Jesus Christ, the light of the world, in order to receive his light and become children of light. If you follow me, you will receive my light and you will become children of light. After the Lord said this, he withdrew from them for a while. He was spending his night outside Jerusalem during the Holy Week. The time for final confrontation and his death drew near for five days. But he had to die at the Passover because he is the Passover lamb. So he taught all that he could. Then he left for a while, accomplishing all he could but making sure they did not kill him before the appointed time. That's why he hid himself. Because the time of his death was determined by the divine economy at the Passover uh, feast. Verse 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. They chose to walk in darkness. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now John the Evangelist, the author of the Gospel, presented the testimony of Isaiah the prophet for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Jews' rejection of him because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So John is saying these people although the evidence of his divinity is very clear, but they chose to walk in darkness because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So, St. John is summarizing the poor response of many of the Jews and Israelites to the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ in spite of seeing all these miracles. They did not only heard about the miracles, but he had done these miracles before them, in the presence and before their eyes. 
in their presence and before their eyes. Also, he quoted another verse from Isaiah, other than Lord who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. So he said, Isaiah said, we prophesied about you. Isaiah in particular, we call the uh, book of Isaiah the fifth gospel. So as if Isaiah is saying to God, I prophesied again uh, about you, but who believed my report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? They saw your miracles, but they did not believe you. They saw your arm working, but they did not believe in you. St. John is explaining, therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, another prophecy. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, there is a vision that Isaiah saw and he saw God in his glory. And immediately after this vision and he saw the glory of God and he spoke of this vision and he spoke of God, then he wrote this verse. He has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. So this from, as I told you, this vision in Isaiah chapter 6, the verse that he quoted here in verse 40 from Isaiah 6 verse 10. And Isaiah predicted that the people would not believe because their eyes were blinded and their hearts hardened. But I want to explain when he said, he has blinded their eyes. Doesn't mean that God actively blinded their heart. But meaning what? God is the light. So if I choose not to be in the light, I'll be in the darkness. So these people chose not to be in the light. That's why their eyes were blinded. Not actively by God. So God did not blind their eyes actively. But because they stayed away from the uh, light of Christ, that's why their eyes uh, became blinded. St. John Chrysostom said, therefore, they could not believe, was used to replace, they did not want to believe. They could not believe, actually, accurately, meaning they uh, choose or they did not want to believe. St. John Chrysostom said, don't be astonished. He did not say that it was impossible for them to be virtuous, 
but that due to their unwillingness, they lost the capacity to believe. So they could not believe, therefore they could not believe, verse 39, because of their unwillingness to walk in the light, so they lost the capacity to believe. This passage is saying again that the Lord Jesus Christ This passage is saying again what the Lord Jesus Christ had often said about the people unwillingness to believe in him. The problem was not that the evidence of his claim was inadequate because he performed many signs and many prophets prophesied about him. But the problem was that the people did not have the right attitude towards the truth and the will of God. So, why they could not believe? Because they did not believe the report of the prophets concerning Christ. Who will believe our report? If they believed the report of the prophets, they would actually believe in Christ. Therefore, they did not credit the miracles which the Lord Jesus Christ made as a proof that he was the person foretold by the prophets and promised to their fathers. They resisted the report of the prophets and the evidence that the arm of God has made, the evidence of Christ's own miracle. So God gave them up to darkness and hardness of their own hearts. Because they did not believe the evidence, so God gave them up to darkness and hardness of their own hearts. So the prophecy of Isaiah was neither the cause nor the motive of their belief. It's not because of this prophecy they could not believe, but Isaiah foresaw what going going to happen. It's just a simple prediction. Uh, which imposed no necessity on them to resist the offer of mercy and salvation and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, If I be asked why they could not believe, immediately I will answer, because they would not. And God, having foreseen their bad will, foretold it by the prophet, Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah saw his glory and spoke of him. It appears evident from this passage that the glory which the prophet saw was the glory of God because he saw the glory of God. But John here saying it is the glory of Jesus. So this means uh, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. That's one verse about the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, these, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory. The glory of whom? Glory of God. But John is using this verse as if Isaiah speak about the glory of Christ. So, if you speak about the glory of God and the glory of Christ, then Christ is God. Verse 42. 
Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Why? For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Nevertheless, this is strongly asserted in opposition to the spiritual blindness of the nation. So, there were many in the Sanhedrin who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was speaking, people could not believe in him. But now he's saying, nevertheless, there are people who believed in him in the Sanhedrin. Some of the leader, like Nicodemus, believed in him, as we read in John chapter 3. And they considered him to be a teacher sent by God. Joseph of Arimathea is another example. And he was the one who later went to Pontius Pilate to take the holy body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Joseph received the blessing of burying the body in his own newly built tomb. And there were also many others who believed in their hearts. But unfortunately, they did not dare to proclaim their faith publicly. They were weak in their faith. They could not bear the reproach of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, the Pharisees determined to excommunicate any person who acknowledged Christ for the Messiah. That's why they did not confess him. They had the power to see the truth, but had not the, they did not have the will to face boldly the result of their own convictions. They could not bear the result. These verses record from verse 44, record one of the Lord Jesus Christ last public discourses to the Jews and perhaps these verses were his very last before his arrest and crucifixion. From verse 44. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So the Lord did not give up on the Jews. And he sent them many, many messages to believe in him. We don't know exactly when the Lord spoke these words. But the account draws very close to the time of his death. Maybe he said these words on Tuesday, because the last day of his teaching was Tuesday, 
He rested on Wednesday. On Thursday, he offered his body. And on Friday, he was crucified. So, the Lord Jesus Christ, in a sense, summarized his whole teaching appeal to the Jews in these verses. So, the Lord confirmed his mysterious unity with the Father. He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the Bible says, he cried out. He spoke these words aloud. He showed his earnest desire for their salvation. Believe in me that you will be saved. Anyone who believes in the Son believes in the Father who sent him. And he who sees the Son also sees the Father as well. And he who honors the Son honors the Father too. So these words were to assert his oneness with God the Father. So, and because of these words, because they accused the Lord Jesus Christ of two things, blasphemy, because he made himself one with the Father, and breaking the law, breaking the Sabbath. So he's asserting the same words that was accusation to crucify him. And this actually shows the courage of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, though it was for these, assert, for these words that he is one of the Father, they were going to crucify him, but he did not take back anything of what had spoken, but strongly reassert this word. Then he said in verse 46, I have come as light into the world, probably referring to what John the Baptist, his forerunner, has said, the light will come, uh, and people did not know the light. That's the gospel of the first hour of the Agbeya, John 1, verse 5. Before the coming of the Savior, and he is the son of righteousness, before his coming in the world, all was darkness. Uh, and at his rising, the darkness is dispersed. When the sun shone, the sun of righteousness starts to shine, the darkness is dispersed. But it only profits those whose eyes are open to receive the rays of the Son of Righteousness, who believed in him would enjoy this light. The Lord Jesus Christ came to save the world and not to judge the world. That's why he said, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Then the last four verses of this chapter. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So here the Lord is very clear, he did not come to judge, but to save. There are two coming for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The first coming, the purpose is to save the world. Second coming, to judge the world. So now we are living in the time of salvation. So if we see a person falling in sin, we should not judge him, but rather we should think how to help him to be saved. Because the time of judgment is not yet come. If we judge him, then actually we are working against what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing. He came to save the world. And in every divine liturgy, the church is reminding us and he has appointed a day for uh, judgment in which he will appear to judge the world. So the time of judgment has not yet come. So we cannot judge anybody right now. The sinners, and all of us who are sinners, but if we see somebody falling in a sin, we need to think how to help him, to offer to him the free salvation of the Lord instead of judging and condemning him. The Lord said, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Then he said in verse 48, But he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Again, in the last day, <coughs> in the day of judgment. Because this time is time of salvation. But those who hear the word and reject the word will be judged by my word in the last day. So the word is condemned, but not primarily because Jesus came to judge them and to condemn them. The world is condemned because of sin and disobedience to God's commandment. And the only hope of salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save the world, not to condemn the world, because the world is already condemned since the fall of Adam. So the situation, the whole world, in a state of condemnation and death. So the incarnation of the Son of God did not happen to condemn the world because the world is already condemned. But he came to save us from the condemnation. Those who believe in him will be saved. But those who will not believe in him, they are already condemned. So, if the people did not believe him, they would stand condemned because they refused the salvation. But when the Lord said, I did not come to condemn the world, we should not understand it as if it is wrong to rebuke sin. Jesus repeatedly rebuked sin while on earth. But we rebuke sin, but we love the sinner. The final judgment and statement of eternal destinies will be left till the second coming, in his second coming. Verse 49. 
For I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me gave me a command. What should I say and what I should speak? And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. The words of the prophet who have prophesied concerning the Lord will condemn the unbeliever because the word of the prophet like Isaiah, he spoke about the birth, the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they don't believe his report, they will be condemned by this word. St. Augustine said, when the Lord said, I did not judge him at this my first coming. St. John Christum said, it is not I only that judges him, but the works also that I do will judge him because he did not believe in me. So the purpose of Jesus' first mission in his incarnation was to fulfill the promises and prophecies of the old covenant and show men and women the way of salvation and eternal life. But when he comes again, his mission will be to judge the people, the second coming of the nations according to how they lived on earth. So by daily looking to him who came a light into the world, we are more and more freed from the darkness of ignorance, error, sin, and misery. And we learn that the command of God our Savior is everlasting life. As the Lord said, the command of my Father is an everlasting life. So, by the same word, if we listen to the word and obey the commandment, we'll, be, we'll have everlasting life. But if we don't obey, these people will be condemned. So by the same word, we'll seal the condemnation of all who despise it or neglect it. So the commandment, that's everlasting life, if you believe in it, you'll be saved. If you don't, these people will be uh, condemned. The Lord will come again at the last day and the word will be judged. The word, when he said, my word will, last, will judge him at the last day, means he will come again at the last day. At this time, the world will be judged according to what the Lord Jesus Christ has taught. Though Jesus did not judge people while here on earth in his first coming, this did not mean people could lightly reject or ignore his teaching. They would still be judged by his words at the last day. And the very fact that he was so rejected was itself the judgment of those who rejected it. So the very fact that Jesus was rejected, also this is the judgment of the people who rejected the word of God. The man will be judged but what he, what he has heard. 
The hearer may refuse the word, you have the choice, but he cannot refuse the responsibility of having heard it. So if you hear it, then you are responsible. By rejecting grace in this life, one already judges oneself and receives according to one's works and can even condemn oneself for all eternity by rejecting the doctrine and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if I'm rejecting the word, I'm rejecting the grace, then I'm bringing judgment on myself uh, according to my words because I will not walk according to the commandment of God and the person will condemn himself for all eternity for rejecting the doctrine and the word of Jesus Christ. Uh, now the Lord said for I have not spoken on my own authority before he said he believes in me believes in him and he who sees me sees him so now the Lord is explaining giving a reason for what he said he who believes in me believes in the father because how plainly divine is this his word so his word is divine the word will judge the people in the last day is the, is the word of the Father. That's why he who rejected the word of Jesus, rejected the word of the Father, then he will be condemned in the last day. The last two verses, 49 and 50, stress that, that the commandment that Jesus has received from the Father and that this unfolding event were not imposed on Jesus. His crucifixion, his suffering, these are not imposed. It is the command of the Father to the Son. But he and the Father have the same will. Every truth uttered by him, every work and word by which it was uttered, was ordained according to the will of the Father. Because he was himself the word of God the Father. He is the Logos. This commandment the Son has received from the Father affects the salvation of men because the words and deeds of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that the commandment direct are the source of eternal life for mankind. So what the Lord spoke, what did he do on earth? These actually are the source of eternal life that is offered to us. Uh, when the Lord said, I did not speak on my own authority, what does it mean on my own authority? As a man, as you perceive me, just a human being, or as a separate from the Father, because I am one with the Father. So as if he is saying, my doctrine are not human, but divine. Therefore, a rejection of my doctrine, if you reject the doctrine, you cannot escape the future judgment. As the Father has told me, so I speak. Therefore, in rejecting Christ, they reject his Father, whom they own and acknowledge for they God. And in disobeying the Lord Jesus Christ, they disobey his Father, and him whom they own as their Father also. So the Father commands lead to eternal life. He said, my, his command is everlasting life. 
and we must accept and follow them if we seek eternal life. We need to believe and obey his teaching if we want the eternal life that only can God give us through Jesus Christ. This in chapter 12 from the Gospel of St. John. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.